Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are off. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with George, Joe, and Eric today. Eric, how are you doing? I don't speak Hawaii. Can you re-say that? I said, how you doing, bro? I'm sorry. You're like cutting out really bad. I said, how you doing, Eric? I'm doing good, man. Just, uh, you know, relaxing, chilling, back on the podcast. It's all good. All right, George, how you doing? Doing pretty great, man. How you doing today, Andrew? Doing pretty good, actually, yeah. Super busy day, but other than that, doing pretty well. How about you, Joe? I'm doing quite swell. Love it, Joe. Love it. Some of today's featured topics include... Should the NBA consider pushing the restart date back? Does Bill Belichick regret not keeping Tom Brady on the Patriots? And who has the best chance to catch Russell Wilson in the NBP race? Let's dive headfirst into it here on Highly Contested. Let's start with the NBA. News has spread from around the league that players believe the NBA offseason will be too short, despite it starting later in the year. Danny Green has mentioned that LeBron and other veterans on the team would not play for some time after the start date of the 2021 NBA season. So, George, should the NBA consider pushing the restart date back, considering what has been said about it? Yeah, so I'm going to give a little more information to that before I dive in. So as of right now, from all the sources, they're planning on starting December 22nd. And they're planning on having a 72-game regular season. So, you know, with all that being said, I think this is going to be an issue with the start date for a lot of the older players, the veterans, and some of the teams that survived the longest in the NBA. So, like we said, Danny Green mentioned it. He was obviously on the Lakers who made it to the final. So them, including the Heat, were the last ones standing in the bubble. They were the last ones to go home, see their families. Uh, that sacrifice that they all made was huge to turn around right before Christmas and possibly do it again is asking a lot from these players. I'd say, you know, if they were to start around the new year or maybe even maybe a few days after Christmas would be ideal. You know, you let these players, you know, spend some time with their families for Christmas. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, this is a business and it's a job. And sometimes when we're at our jobs, we got to do things that might not be ideal for us. You know, there might be a time when we have to cover someone's shift on a day off, work a weekend, work on holidays or whatever it may be. And that's the case on what's going on in the NBA because they could potentially lose around $600 million because they will likely be a new collective bargaining agreement deal that's going to get negotiated. You know, they lost, they already lost games in the last season. They'll lose some more games this season. And the reason that they are thinking about starting in December 22nd 
is because of the TV deals and how they suffered during the pandemic. So TV networks like ESPN, TNT, you know, they, they lost a lot of money because sports weren't really going on. Uh, the NBA doesn't have, doesn't want to interfere with the NFL season. They also don't want, or the reason they're also starting in December 22nd is so that they don't interfere with the Olympics coming up. So that's what I got to say to that. Joe, what are your thoughts? Yeah, basically what you said, I agree with, but it it is, it is going to be a struggle for the veteran NBA players, but it's kind of like, it's your job. You're getting paid to play basketball. I know everyone's saying it's more than basketball, but it's your job. You got to do what you're paid to do, and that's play ball. It The older players can use that load management thing that they like using when they don't really want to play or get some rest. They could use that. But there's some reports saying that, like, I think that what you think you, I think you said, George, in, in our text messages chat that some players on the Lakers, like LeBron, would use like a whole month of load management to get some rest. Right. Yeah. That, that's what Danny Green was saying that they would take around a month off. Yeah. I say I wouldn't take a whole month off, maybe take a couple weeks, but don't take a whole month off because that's, it's basically you get paid to play. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, at the end of the day, it does come down to money. So are they willing to lose out on $600 million just to start a month later? I don't think so. Eric, what are your thoughts with all that going on? Yeah, um, I think they should kind of like stagger the schedule a bit, kind of in agreement with you guys. Uh, I think teams that did not play in the bubble or made an early exit should probably play first. Obviously, Uh, they've been out the longest. And then teams that made a deep playoff run in the bubble, and uh, they they should probably play maybe like New Year's Day, maybe even later, uh, just because of you know you have a long season and then you play again shortly, it could lead to a lot more injuries and stuff like that. And then maybe you have a, a player dropping off too soon. It's kind of like a runner, right? If you're running a lot uh, for a season or whatever it is, and you put a lot of miles in, you reach a a moment where you just die down and you're uh you just don't have the same same amount of energy towards i guess that season i'm trying to say here so uh, it's just more of a factor of injury and stuff like that so i really think that especially like miami and lakers they should really play probably around or after new year's and uh just stagger the schedule a little bit that way it's just a little bit more safe i know they did have all teams had a somewhat of a month or more break because of the COVID-19. Um, so it kind of helps them out a little bit in that sense that they stopped for a little bit, played a little bit, and then now they're going to have another break here. It's not a normal schedule, but I think it's better than playing a whole uh, regular 82 straight season game. And then you go straight to, you know, a little bit and then play again. So this is a little different because you had a, a gap played, played again gap. And that was only some teams. So like I said, you could easily stagger this schedule and still play the 72 type game season, shorter season, and still probably be okay. Yeah, they did have that four months off, you know, in the midst of that pandemic. So they got to rest a little bit, play again, like you were saying. So, and then what, this is maybe 
a couple months in between the finals and now. And there were a lot of teams that didn't make it to the bubble, so they got even a longer rest. And I'm sure those players want to get out there and play again. Andrew, what are your thoughts on all this? They should not. <clears throat> they should not push back the uh, start date. And it's sad that the NBA is even considering this. These are grown men complaining that the organization they work for had to make adjustments for a global pandemic. And now they want to act like they can not work their job whenever they want. I'm going to be real. I don't mind them having a voice about their views on things such as social injustice and politics. But them thinking that they should have the power to choose to go to work is unacceptable. Adam Silver and company made the adjustments. The Lakers are getting close to three months off and they want to complain. That disappoints me. They had four months off before the bubble. Get back to work when the organization that gives you dozens of millions of dollars a year tells you to. And that's all I got to say about it. Yeah. Uh, Joe kind of touched up on that same little concept right there. Basically, you know, there's worse jobs out there that pay a lot less that, you know, they could be doing instead of playing basketball. But I think part of it is just because they are starting right before Christmas and, you know, like I said, they did sacrifice a lot being away from their families when they were in the bubble. So I think if they were to start maybe even like right after Christmas, maybe like the 26th, the 27th, I, th- I feel like that'd be a little more, you know, it'd, feel, it'd make these players feel a little bit better that they can spend Christmas with their families after having such a crazy year. But, you know, they all obviously don't want to interfere with some of the other sports like football next year or the Olympics that will be coming up. So I, I think that's the issue right there. Joe, what are your thoughts? So let's just say hypothetically the NBA does start when it said it was going to start this year in December. Do you think the NBA and the NBA PA will bump heads and the NBA players will protest the season so they could get some uh, rest? I don't think they'll protest the season. Um, I, I I don't think they'll do that. The NBA has been pretty good working with the the players and everyone. So if they were if they ended up protesting, I'd be shocked just because Adam Silver and the entire NBA as an organization has been super helpful on every front. And you know I think they've done a great job. So if they were to just basically protest because they want to start. You know, essentially, um, a week or a month later, I think would be shocking for me. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Where the thing is too is that we keep talking about like the Lakers or like some of these teams that were in. It. What about all these teams that weren't in the bubble? What about all these teams that have not played a game of basketball since March? We got to think about those teams too, because as of this, as of this point those teams are going to go nine months without playing basketball. And then you're going to expect them to just jump back into a season when the other teams that have been in a bubble have actually had to play with each other and they've developed more chemistry with each other than ever before. And so you're going to, you're going to really be upset about playing when these guys have had nine months off and you're wanting them to stay away from basketball even further. I think it's selfish, honestly, I really do. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I touched up on it a little. I think Eric touched up on it a little too. You know, there's people out there like, you know, maybe the team with like Trey Young, players like that, young players who they want to go out there. They want to play. 
they didn't get a chance to go into the bubble and they you know they're they're ready they love the sport and they want to go back out there they want to play and you know I'm, I'm not too sure how many players actually want to you know postponed it you know let's say a month but if it's true what Danny Green said and it is LeBron James that is leading in that charge it will be interesting because he is the face of the franchise and he does or the organization or the league and he does pull a lot of weight so that would be interesting but yeah I mean I wouldn't make a big deal out of if I were them you know the NBA has been on their side for a lot of this and you know that's a lot of money on the line and they they should be out there you know doing their their job playing basketball doing it for the fans doing it for everyone hopefully you know that's that's kind of how they see it I mean I do understand that it's right before Christmas and I know traditionally they do play you know on the, around this time but I think just given everything that's happened this year that I feel like they kind of want to spend Christmas with their families but who knows we'll see how this kind of shapes out George I'm gonna ask you something right now do you think Kobe would have complained no, he wouldn't complain. That that guy worked twenty four seven almost. That that guy never rested. So he could have had a one week layoff in between the next season, and he'd be out there. Yeah. So if the Lakers won that championship for Kobe, then they should be able to get themselves right back out there. Get your butts out there. No, oh, yeah. And again, th- this is just coming from Danny Green. So I'm not even gonna put a hundred percent of my stock into him. I don't know if he did speak to LeBron and LeBron said it, or if this is kind of just like one of those, I feel like he would miss a month type of thing, you know? So it is interesting. We'll see how it kind of shapes up. We're going to switch it to the NFL. The Patriots are now two and four and are in danger of missing the playoffs. If they continue to play the way they are while they have been declining Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been thriving and on the rise now at five and two. So, George, does Bill Belichick regret not keeping Tom Brady on the Patriots? I don't think Bill Belichick regrets letting Tom walk away. He didn't want to overpay for an aging quarterback. And yeah, if we just look at the situation blindly without much context, then yeah, it looks like it is something that he would regret. But let's look at the two teams. The current Patriots team, they didn't get any better this offseason than they were last year. Actually, they got worse because many other starters opted out in the beginning of the season for COVID reasons. And if we look at the Bucks team, where he now has improved weapons with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk is back, a great defense, a great O-line. So if we just look at it like that and we're like, oh yeah, Tom Brady's doing great. Bill Belichick and the Patriots, they're not looking so good, then yeah, it looks like that. But, you know, that that's not if Tom Brady would have stayed, he wouldn't have the same situation that he has in the Bucks. So for that, I don't think that uh Bill Belichick really regrets this decision because he was moving forward. And I don't think Tom Brady would have been able to do much with the current Patriots roster, anyways. So with that being said, Joe, do you think Bill Belichick regrets that decision? I don't think Bill Belichick regrets anything, <laughs> to be honest. But yeah, I agree with you, George. Everything you said. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the, if Tom Brady was still on the Patriots, he'll still be about out with his offensive line because I know most of their offensive line starters were out and some players on defense. And I, like I, like I said in the beginning, I knew the Bucks were going to be a better team than the Patriots from the get-go. I don't know if you all remember me saying that, but like I said, um, Belichick does not regret any moves he made. No regrets, right, Joe? Yep, no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't really think he regrets the move. Tom Brady is an aging quarterback. Um, he did have an amazing – Tom Brady had an amazing game versus the Raiders uh, this last Sunday. But before that, people were questioning him and stuff, you know, his numbers or his touchdowns or his arm isn't strong enough. I mean, yeah, he shows glimpses of it still. But do I think he would fit with the Patriots? I don't really think so. I don't think – obviously, the Bucks have way more better pieces, I think, than uh, than the Patriots right now. Also, the Patriots have a pretty pretty hard schedule. Um, I mean, they have to play the Bills twice. Um, they got to play the Seahawks. They got to play – they're playing the NFC uh, West. So they play the Niners, of course. They still have the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Rams. I mean, it's not easy at all. They're playing one of the hardest divisions in, in football. And then also playing the AFC West. So they're playing the Broncos, the Chiefs, um, the Raiders, and the Chargers. So, I mean, it's just, it seems like they're not really getting much of a break besides the Jets and their own division. Their own division is the only thing that's saving them right now. Um, but other than that, I just think there's a bunch of other things. Because, yeah, Tom Brady, sure. But it can't be just Tom Brady. There's a whole bunch of other pieces falling here. So uh, does he regret trading or getting uh, letting Tom Brady walk? Sure, he might, but I, I I highly doubt it. I just I highly doubt it. I, to me, it'd be like his doubt factor would be like twenty percent, and his like okay factor would be like eighty. Like he's totally fine. I believe with Cam Newton. Cam Newton's shown enough um, flashes that he still could be that quarterback. So I still believe Belichick. I mean, you're not going to do it in in six games, seven games. There's no way you're going to take a guy off an injury like that who has been going downhill, and then just make them, you know, MVP caliber. It's not going to, or back to MVP, uh, MVP caliber. It's going to take some time. So, I mean, he's way younger than Tom Brady. So this is not a one season type thing. I believe he's going to stay uh, in new England after the season. And I think it's just, you know, they're going to add some pieces. That's, that's always what they do. They add pieces, never doubt the Patriots. So <clears throat> Eric, I, I'm with you. I, I usually never doubt Bill Belichick in any way. And it's interesting that you mentioned Cam because, you know, he did come back from injury uh, from his from his tenure as the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. And, George, you actually mentioned this. I um, can't remember. I'm sure it was when Cam first got his uh, – his, his, when the virus first got him. But I think you mentioned that we don't know how – he's going to look like he might look, you know, we don't know what the effect of the virus would be on him. I'm sure you, you mentioned something like that, correct? Yeah. I mentioned it because, you know, the virus, it, it affects people differently with their respiratory system. So yeah, he was clear to play, but you know, when it comes to everything else, you know, how is it, will it still be affecting him even though he's cleared? You know, that was kind of my question. Yeah, and I don't know, to me, it kind of looks like, because let's be real here, he did really well those first few games, and ever since 
he's had to take that time off. He hasn't looked the same. And so I'm thinking that it might have had a bit of an effect on him. Maybe, maybe he is getting a little bit more winded more easily. You never know. We've seen that Russell Westbrook had it and came back to the bubble and he didn't look, he didn't really look the same from based off of what I saw, at least not his like killer self that he was every game. So to answer this, to answer this question, I'm going to answer this question towards the end of my take. But basically the question is if he regrets not keeping Tom Brady, I'll tell you one thing. I think he isn't satisfied one bit with what's happened this season, but even if they don't win the decision, the division, they're still next year. Like Eric was saying, it's not going to, for, for a year like this, you're not guaranteed that it's going to happen right away. It's, I wouldn't believe that it could happen in seven games, especially considering that all that Cam went through in this throughout this season and in his previous tenure with the Panthers. I think that Bill will recover. I think that Cam will recover. We know what Bill's capable of. Tom Brady, you kind of alluded to this, George, went to a damn near perfect situation where they had a potentially top five defense and a potentially top five offense. And literally the only thing holding them back was Jameis Winston, who threw 30 interceptions and is now a backup. This was like a, it's like a breakup where one of the two found a significantly hot partner who gives that person everything they wanted while the other got stuck with a rebound who they never wanted to be with to begin with. But does he regret it? I don't think so. I think a better word would be that he misses Brady. In fact, I would go as far to say he misses the player that Brady used to be. Clearly, he noticed that Brady is aging and he noticed flashes of that age getting to him. And I think that that's what it is more than anything. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And, you know, a lot of people there in Belichick's we trust and, you know, they rarely doubt Bill Belichick. But my only question was after, you know, Tom Brady departed, what was the plan? Because Cam Newton fell into his lap. You know, they, they didn't go and draft a quarterback. They didn't go and pick anyone up. They were saying that Stidham was the man. And then, you know, as we know, Cam Newton fell into their lap because he needed a job. And the Patriots, which are notoriously known for just picking up people's leftovers and then making them a full five-course meal. And, you know, they picked up Cam Newton. He looked great, you know, pre-COVID. And so, uh, you know, I don't think he regrets letting Tom walk, but what was the plan? You know, so that, that, that was my kind of question to that. Well, George, I could probably tell you the plan. At least me thinking outside the box, you know. Early early on in the season, I, I guarantee the Patriots didn't realize how good Cam was do- doing. But, um... Prior to that, I, I my conspiracy theorist mind thought that the Patriots would go for Trevor Lawrence in the draft or some type of quarterback in the draft at a low at a low round. And right now is the perfect opportunity because one, Cam is not doing really good. Two, they're losing games, and I if they keep losing the games. They're gonna get a um. They're gonna get a low pick. 
Trevor Lawrence is already going to the Jets, most likely, unless they trade, which they doubt it. But their Patriots are probably going to go after a Justin Fields type of guy, which that could work in their in the system because they already have Cam Newton there. Yeah, <clears throat> to kind of, you know, touch up a little bit further on this, let's think about a couple things. Number one, Tom Brady, you know, people are people are starting to question, like, people are starting to say, oh, who, who was it? Was it Bill? Was it Brady? Um, I think y- y- you got to take both into consideration. You got to, th- you got to say it was both of them for sure. And to those people that would make the claim that, oh, clearly it's Brady, given what, given the circumstances of the year, let's think about a couple things. Uh, the first two games, Brady wasn't looking hot and Cam and the Patriots with Bill, you know, Bill Belichick, keeping things, you know, as good as they were, they were looking great. And people were wondering, people were wondering the opposite. I mean, you know, media, they love to eat it up and they love to, you know, make that claim. And so two weeks in, they're saying, well, is Brady really done? Is, is, was it really Bill Belichick all along? And now that's, that flip, that script is just flipped. And now there people are saying, Oh, well, was it, was it really Brady? And then is Bill Belichick going to be done for? So, you got to take you got to take that into context as well. Let's but let's be real here. It takes it takes men, in this case it takes many to tango. Um, you got to understand that Bill Belichick has always had that defense top notch. And if you don't believe me, 16 of Tom Brady's 19 seasons with the Patriots, he has had a top 10 defense. That says that says enough for you right there, you know. He has always had a solid defense on the other side of the ball uh, that could, if he, you know, if he scored a touchdown, they could stop the other team from scoring. And that says a lot for your team. And a big part of that was Bill Belichick. Yeah. And Joe, I saw that, that little sneaky bull take you just said it in there. Basically, you're saying you don't think the Jets think Sam Darnold is the Jets' future, huh? Hey, I'd like Sam Sam Darnold as a QB. I just don't think he'll fit in Sam Dar- um, Adam Gase's system because obviously that's not working. So we'll see. I don't think he's done in the NFL. I think he'll strive on a different team, but just not with the Jets. Yeah, sneaky little bull take. You try to fly under my radar, but I caught it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let me just ask you guys a question real quick. So if Brady was on this Patriots team currently constructed, do you guys think they're Super Bowl contenders? You know, the funny thing, I was just about to ask that question. And in my opinion, I don't think so. I really don't. Um, I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders. Do I think they make the playoffs? I think they make the playoffs. I mean, do I think that they probably still have this bad of a start? I think they probably do. If I mean, I'll say this: if Tom Brady catches COVID the way that Cam caught COVID, I don't think that I don't I, like. I think they're starting the same way again. I think they're starting two and four, and you know we're we're having this crazy discussion of are the Patriots really done? But Right now, Tom's on the Bucks, and so we're we're having the discussion of is Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick done? So, 
In my opinion, I don't. I think that they make the playoffs. I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, I agree with Drew. They're not. They wouldn't be Super Bowl contenders, but they'll still make playoffs or in the wild card as well. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I, I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders without without them. But yet again, if they didn't get Tom Brady, then they wouldn't have all that firepower anyway. So that's how I see it also. Yeah, so it seems like we all don't think they'd be Super Bowl contenders. And for that reason, I don't think Bill Belichick regrets letting Tom Brady go. Because no matter how you slice the cake, they really weren't going to be Super Bowl contenders. And I think, you know, if he was their quarterback right now, they might have an extra win or two, but I don't even think they're winning the division. I think I don't think the Dolphins would be second in the division. You know, maybe we still see uh, Fitz Magic out there, but yeah, S- system, everything, situation basically would have been the same. Maybe they're second in the division, but for that reason, since they wouldn't be true contenders, Bill doesn't regret this at all. Keeping it in the NFL, the Tampa Bay Bucks have signed Antonio Brown to their roster who pairs up with Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Rob Gronkowski. And that's just the big names on offense. So, George, does adding Antonio Brown make the Buccaneers the favorites to make the Super Bowl? I think so. I think uh, they were already... You know, we, we talked about this in the last podcast about the division leaders and we ranked them who we f- would fear the most to the least. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm I think we all had the Bucks at number one. Or Drew, did you have someone else? I don't no. I don't recall who you had. We all had the Bucks at number one. Okay, yeah. So we so we all had them. So at least by our measures, you know, we thought they were the best team basically in the NFC at winning at you know leading their division to that point so now you throw antonio brown into the mix who you know i'm just going to speak on the football on the field side because this could obviously go one of two ways it could implode off the field and maybe he's not there anymore and then we're having a different talk but if we're just talking about antonio brown on the field you add him to this mix and it's almost like a kansas city's chief-esque type of offense who are you going to guard? Who are you going to double? Because they got weapons all around. And, you know, it's going to be a nightmare for the defense. Because Antonio Brown, he's not just a great receiver in the league today. He's a great receiver all time. So in his first nine seasons, Antonio Brown had 837 receptions, which is second most in NFL history. It took Antonio Brown 129 games to reach 11,000 receiving yards. The second fewest games in NFL history to reach that 11,000 milestone. Then from 2011 till basically he was out of the league, he was the most productive wide receiver with 821 receptions, 11,400 yards with 74 touchdowns. He has also been the most reliable when he was on the field with 100-plus receptions in six straight seasons, which is the longest NFL streak in history. And according to the next-gen stats, he is also a touchdown machine with the ability to do it basically any way. 
He is number one when it comes to deep target touchdowns with 18. He is first in outside the number touchdowns with 20. He is second in press targets with 15 and second in tight windows targets with 10. So he's an elite wide receiver and he's great after the catch. So you get this guy the ball, he's going to make something happen. And now you pair it up with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Like for the defense, who are you going to guard? And, you know, I think he's going to be great, especially because it seems like Chris Godwin cannot stay healthy this season. Like he just got another injury, think fractured finger, broken finger, something like that. So Antonio Brown on the field, I think will fit in and he's going to be that cherry on top to a team that was already looking very good. Joe, what are your thoughts with this Antonio Brown move? Yeah, I agree with you, George. Um, this this Bucks team with the addition of Antonio Brown is definitely Super Bowl contenders. But I'm gonna put a foot flop on that and say I'm in the perspective of the other receivers, either it's Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. With him there, their potential targets are gonna drop. And in Mike Evans' eyes, because I know he, he technically he is the main receiver on that team, in his head he he's gonna be like I need my touches. I'm not trying to be that guy, but I'm the guy. I'm the guy for this team. I'm the I'm the wide receiver one, and I need my touches. So I don't know how that's gonna pan out with all three uh, elite receivers on one team, and you got to include Gronk to, with his touches. Even though he says in the press conference that he's just there to block it, but we know in the previous games that he he's catching the ball a lot more and then in the running back situation either it's Fournette or Jones Mike Evans needs his touches and I think he sees Antonio Brown as a threat to his uh, wide receiver one spot yeah I think winning will cure that you know I, if definitely if they were losing that'd be uh, issue I believe for Mike Evans but if they're winning football games and they make it to the Super Bowl and they're in a position to win and he's getting you know not as much targets as he's used to I don't think it would be a huge issue for him but we will see if this team chemistry can hold up Eric what are your thoughts with the Antonio Brown move obviously it's a good good pickup but I think it's a probably the the best worst pickup you can say because this could go one of many ways man Antonio Brown obviously we've seen when he joined the Raiders and all the secret stuff that we didn't know about on the Steelers and uh, the quick little stint on the Patriots as well I guess but uh, I just I just think it could be the greatest move as in he's going to come he's going to bring you the numbers he'll stay quiet he'll do his work he'll put it all on the line to try and get a chip another one or you're going to get a version of a poison, a cancer. He's just gonna maybe, you know, like how Joe said, maybe he's gonna have a problem with uh, with Evans because maybe he gets more touches than somebody else. Um, I really think on the offensive side, anyway, someone who will be holding the glue together is gonna be Tom Brady and Gronk, just because them two. I mean, they were gonna do it in the Patriots anyway. We know with Antonio Brown, so I believe them two can do it. Gronk's a pretty humble dude, and so is a. Uh, so is Tom Brady for the most part. So I, I do believe they'd be able to do this. But 
everyone else in the Bucks, I'm not too sure how they'll take it with Antonio Brown, especially if he comes in blabbering his mouth or something. You know, like I said, he could just be that that one that one thing or that one piece of poison there that can just ruin the whole vibe of the Buccaneers. And right now they're riding on a good vibe. So, I mean, this is just like their coach said, man. They said, hey, man, one hiccup and this dude's out. Like, I'm not going to sit here and have him bullshit around and, uh, you know, cause trouble for everyone else when they're doing really well in the league right now. So this is the best worst signing to me. Um, it could be a half and half as well, but I see it going one way or the other. I don't think it's going to be, you know, a half and a half. Oh, sometimes good, sometimes bad. I think it's going to go either bad or good. Like, there's no other way. They were the favorites before adding AB. This team was a solid quarterback away from being a contender, and they got that quarterback, and now they're clicking. We already know about the offense. Let's look at the defense, though, because uh, you know we've kind of we kind of known about the offense. You know, we know about the weapons. We know about you know the fact that Brady is cap- You know what Brady is capable of. He's a proven winner. You know. Um. Let's talk about the defense because I think we're I think that not a, not a lot of people are looking at the defense when we need to start looking at it. They're the best run stopping defense. They allow sixty six rush yards a game. They're even in front of the Steelers in that category, which is impressive. Steelers being number two at sixty eight point eight rush yards per game. By the way, they are third in total yards per game at two hundred ninety one point three. So keep that in mind. They allow. Less than 300 total yards per game on average from the other for the other team behind the Steelers and the Colts respectively. So it's Steelers number one, Colts number two, Buccaneers number three at 291.3 yards per game. So top five defense, top five offense. That's third in scoring at 31.7 points per game. This is this is already a recipe for success. But then you add this player. George, you said you speak on the football side of him, but the truth is you can't just talk about the football side of him. I've already gone over the off-the-field issues in this podcast before, so I won't go there again. All I'll say is I could have a great girlfriend who looks hotter than a supermodel, but if she gives me headaches, it's not worth my time, my energy, or my money. I agree with Joe, too many mouths to feed. Mike Evans has to be feeling some kind of way for them thinking that they needed AB to make them better. I think this is going to implode. George, you said winning will keep everyone happy, but all it takes is one loss. And AB having an issue with his helmet or his pads or his numbers or his touches, whatever you want to say. After that, it's going to start getting ruined. What do you think, Eric? I have a question. So in the beginning, when we first started this section, you guys – in the last podcast, all voted the Buccaneers to go to the Super Bowl? Is that what it was? So we voted the Buccaneers to be the most threatening team out of the, the out of the current NFC division leaders. Really? Mm-hmm. I would have been the only one in that podcast probably saying nah. So who would you have said? You know, there's a few good teams. you got the Green Bay Packers and uh, obviously the Seahawks. But, uh, you know, I, I might want to pick between the Seahawks and Cardinals. I think them two might be the strongest out of there. The Cardinals, I know, are a few games behind, but I probably would have picked Seahawks or Cardinals. 
ahead of the Buccaneers anyway. The Buccaneers do have a lot of star names, man. They do. But I just don't think in the long run they'll make it out. I don't want to doubt Brady again, though, because that fool always comes out, but I'm going to doubt him this time. <laughs> it isn't the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, that that was a big factor on why at least I picked the Bucks is because they got Tom Brady, and every time I doubt that guy, he just proves me wrong. Every time I bet against him, I lose my mortgage. So uh, I'm not going to do it again. Hand, George. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, But uh, back to Antonio Brown. You know, when, if he's on the field and he's not causing issues, I think it'll be fine. Uh, like I said, we got to remember that this Bucks organization was the worst organization in all of sports when it came to losing. They were the losiest. We want to talk about a suck fest. This this is the team that has been sucking the longest. They're worse than the Browns. Yeah, and um, they won a yeah. Super Bowl. Who? The Bucks the won Bucks? Super Bowl in 2001, 2002. Hey, one good season. One good one good season doesn't erase years better, of that, that makes them better than the Browns. Hey, I'm not saying the Browns are a great team. They might be the second suckiest team. <laughs> they are the suckiest just, team. Period. Maybe the Bucks can be I'm number two. Saying. I might put okay, the well, well, you might believe that, but basically whether they're the worst or if you don't want to believe that they're the worst, they're down there. So now that they're winning games and they're favorites and, you know, they might win their division. We'll see how the Saints turn around if they get uh, Michael Thomas and all that. But as of right now, they're looking like the favorites. You know, a team that has not been able to win a lot of games and is now winning, I think will be okay with a few less touches. And if anyone can handle that and talk to, a Mike Evans, a Chris Godwin, whoever has an issue with it, it is Tom Brady because he's got the resume. He's got that pedigree. He's done it before. He's handled, you know, Randy Moss before on his team. So he knows how to handle some of these players, some of these egos, and he's worked with Antonio Brown before. He is one of the only people that's out there vouching for this man. He loves his work ethic. And with all that, you know, I think on top of Antonio Brown, you know, everything that he's been through, I believe he's been humbled a bit and will be on his best behavior. But we also got to remember he is on a short leash. Uh, Bruce Arians did say that he is on the shortest of leashes. And basically, if he screws up one time, that he will be out of there. So Tom Brady is going to be the glue to all of this. Like Eric said, he's going to hold this team together he's gonna be in everyone's ear basically telling them showing them how to be successful Andrew what are your thoughts so you mentioned two things uh three actually but I'm gonna touch up on something you said okay if Antonio Brown is contributing and then you said if he is not a problem on the field or off the field I'm gonna tell you right now all that contributes to one big if, okay? So thinking about that alone, then you're talking about, okay, well, if there's an issue between the wide receivers, Tom Brady's going to Tom Brady's gonna settle things. That's no guarantee. That is no guarantee that he's going to do that. John Gruden 
tried to bring Antonio Brown back to planet earth when he thought he was, you know, when he thought he was high and mighty in Oakland and he couldn't even do that. And we've seen the type of player that the type of player coach that John Gruden can be. So I'm thinking that a quarterback isn't going to, I'm thinking that a quarterback isn't going to be able to do that. You mentioned, you mentioned also, Oh, well he had experience with Randy Moss. Randy Moss is not, nowhere near the head case that Antonio Brown has been. And you know it, I know it, anybody else would agree with me. Is he his off the field resume is nowhere near Antonio Brown's off the field resume. Yeah, just real quick on that. I wasn't comparing the two like with their problems or anything. I was just saying Tom Brady has handled peep or you know other players who and who were elite at their position, who may have had issues, may not have had issues. He's been around the league a while. He obviously has the success that he has and knows how to do it. So with all that being known, that he will be in these people's ears. And, you know, you bring up John Gruden, and this is two different types of leadership, John Gruden and Tom Brady. And you're going to listen to someone who you respect versus someone you might not respect. And I'm not saying he didn't 100% respect John Gruden, but I'm willing to bet that he respects Tom Brady more than John Gruden. And the leadership that Tom Brady has shown us all of these years, I am pretty confident that he will be managing egos and helping these guys out, even though you're doubting him, Andrew, in that respect. I don't see that. I think he will be able to do that. He's done it all of these years. So I don't see why all of a sudden he wouldn't be able to. He was doing it with Antonio Brown last year with the Patriots. So I see that moving forward. And yeah, if he's on the field, he's going to be great. But that is a big if. That's why I handled a lot of the on-field. And I let you guys handle the off-field because I knew you guys were going to bring it up. But that that is a big factor. Will he be there till the end of the season? I mean, to be determined, you know. But what are your guys' final thoughts on that? Yeah, last season we saw him on the Patriots for one game, and they won that game very easily. So I don't think that's enough of a sample size at all to gauge how effective Tom Brady could uh, help out Antonio Brown in those situations. Listen, I'm not doubting Tom Brady at all. I'm just saying that that Tom Brady would have to perform a miracle to be able to bring uh, uh, the diva version of Antonio Brown back to, back to Tampa Bay. And so that's what I'm saying. All right, Drew. So I'm going to need you to clear it up because you, you did say that you thought they were favorites for the Super Bowl, but you're making it seem like Antonio Brown's going to be more of a problem than good. So with this move, does this put them to be favorites to make the Super Bowl? No. So, so you don't think that they're favorites to make the Super Bowl now? Not anymore. All right. A little flippy floppy action going on. Yeah, I mean, they. It's it's going to be one of those things where, in my opinion, I really strongly feel like they're going to regret the decision, and it it could potentially if they if they keep him on for because you you know you can you can say 
that one wrong move and he's out. But actions speak louder than words. Let's see if you could actually carry that out. If he does give you even the slightest thought as to, you know, him being back to his old ways. So if they end up keeping him for, you know, all the way into the, you know, they start getting in the postseason, I think it could be a problem. I really do. We're going to move to a different NFL topic. Russell Wilson is running away with the MVP race with a little over half the season still remaining with a 71.2% completion percentage, 1,890 yards, and 22 pass touchdowns, all in just six games. Will anyone catch up to him? So, George, who has the best chance to catch Russell Wilson in the MVP race? Yeah, I think if anyone has a good chance to catch him in this race, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. So when I'm looking at how much yards they're throwing, Mahomes, he's only thrown nine more yards. So that's 1,899 yards compared to Wilson's 1,890 yards. And uh, Mahomes only has one interception compared to Wilson's six interceptions. Wilson, he's throwing at a better percentage right now and a, you know, a better completion percentage. But, you know, we, we've seen Patrick Mahomes just explode for crazy Madden-like numbers. And he, he hasn't done it too often this season yet, but we know he's capable of it. So if he were to go on a Madden-like run for X amount of games or the rest of the season, I could definitely see him catching up to Russell Wilson. Um, and we also got to look at it because Eric brought it up a little earlier, that Seahawks division, you know, it, it's a tough one. You know, they got the Cardinals right there knocking on the door. And if you're going to be the MVP, you're going to have to win your division. And I'm not saying he's not going to win his division. I'm just saying he's in a tough division compared to Mahomes. We're pretty sure he's going to win his division. He also has an easier schedule that's remaining. So if anyone were to catch up to him, I think it would be Patrick Mahomes. Well, who do you think is going to, if anyone catches up, who do you think Joe will catch up to Pat or Russell Wilson? I actually think that uh, Eric wants to go next. So Eric, do you want to go ahead and go? Well, Joe, you can go if you want first. Don't matter to me. No, you can go ahead. All right. Well, I think personally that yes, Russell Wilson is in first place for the MVP. Um, I also think that the MVP will come out of the NFC West. So to me, it's either going to be Kyler Murray or it's going to be Russell Wilson. Um, I mean, if you, if you just look at the, the division as it is, it's insane. Like that's exactly what I was saying earlier, uh, George, you have the Seahawks at five and one, the Cardinals at five and two, the Rams at five and two, and the Niners at four and three, no one has under four wins here. And there's three teams with five wins. This is totally insane. Uh, this division is just super, super tough with great players all around, um, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, I really do think that Russell Wilson is kind of miles ahead of everybody else at this point. Um, I would have Mahomes in a second place right now. I don't really have Murray there yet, but like Hopkins says, man, he, he I ain't going to leave him out, man. Murray's going to be in this race. Uh, he's doing really well. This team's doing really well. 
Um, I also see Aaron Rodgers in the mix, but it's not going to be above Mahomes. And even the the odds itself even say it's the order of uh, uh, Russell. And then I think you got, yeah, it's Russell Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. So it'll be Russell Wilson at negative 155 MVP odds. And then you have, uh, which is way ahead, because the next one's Patrick Mahomes at plus 430, Aaron Rodgers at plus uh, 650, then uh, Lamar Jackson plus 1700. And then it comes on to Ben Ben Roethlisberger, Josh Allen, Derrick Henry. Uh, Derrick Henry actually being the first non-quarterback on the list. Uh, this is NFL odds usually, I mean, NFL quarter, I mean, MVP odds are usually very quarterback heavy, usually. Uh, but I do think it's going to be Russell Wilson. But I do think no matter what, it's going to come out of the NFC West. So, Andrew, who do you got catching up to Russell Wilson if there is anyone? So, I don't think anybody's going to catch him. Um, You guys know I had him picked as my MVP at the beginning of the season. But I think the person who has the best chance of doing it is Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady is clicking right now with the Buccaneers. Now, I'm I'm just going to be real with you guys. The, The biggest concern the biggest x factor is going to be antonio brown but let's look at the numbers uh you talked about patrick mahomes uh you talked about patrick mahomes george well tom brady actually has um tom brady actually has more passing yards and he has more touchdowns than patrick mahomes and he's played the same number of games as patrick mahomes too so he's got currently he's got 1910 yards 18 pass touchdowns. So the crazy thing, the craziest thing though, is that both of these two players have played more games than they played one more game than Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson still is literally 20 yards or less away from them. And he's got, he's got four more pass touchdowns than Tom Brady. And six more pass touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes. And he's played one less game than them. So I think that tells you how far he is right now ahead of the others. But I think, I think that it'll get closer, but I think that Russell Wilson will end up being the undisputed MVP at the end. Um, You know, of course people are going to vote, People might vote here and there, so it might not actually be, um, it might not actually be unanimous. But I think he will be the MVP at the end of the race. Joe, what are your thoughts? All right, so y'all chose QBs. I'm gonna throw you guys a little curveball here. I think the person that could come closest to beating out Russell Wilson is Derrick Henry. The last time a running back. Uh, has won uh, MVP was in 2012, and it was Adrian Peterson. And prior to that, last time it happened was in 2005 and 2006. It was Sean Alexander, Ladanian Tomlinson. As of right now, Derrick Henry has uh, 663 yards and seven TDs, and with a uh, 143 touches. I think. He, 
he could be the closest to coming uh, to Russell Wilson. Yes, he is on the Titans, and they can be up and down at times. But the and the last game he had, not including the uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, because that whole team was down. But against Houston, he had a 212 yards. If he could keep that up, staying in the hundreds at least of the whole season, I think he'll be at the top with Russell Wilson. And what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think Derrick Henry's an interesting choice. And, you know, we usually see quarterbacks take this award. So he'd have to do a lot to win the MVP. But, uh, Drew, I'm going to mention this and then I'm going to let you go. So, you know, I've liked Russell Wilson for years. And I'm just hoping he doesn't pull a Daniel Jones because he's so far ahead right now, I just I would hate for him to just trip and fall and lose this. Because in this last game against the Cardinals, he did throw three interceptions and lost a close game in overtime where they did have opportunities to win. So, yeah, he's in the driver's seat right now. But let's see how he bounces back after that performance. You know, he did play good, but he did have those three interceptions and lost a close game that was in his grasp to win. Drew, what do you got? Oh, yeah, you don't got to tell me. I mean, those three interceptions are what made me lose fantasy this this week. So you don't, you don't got to tell me that. But um, I think I, I – I, you know, we've seen this before last year, he, last year he exploded too. And then he, you know, kind of really, really sizzled out and you know, the rest, the rest is just because, you know, he exploded. Then Lamar slowly progressed, progressed, progressed. And we were all paying attention to Russell Wilson and we didn't notice Lamar going off. And then by the time we, by the time we really started noticing Lamar, you know, Russell Wilson at that point had already fizzled out. And so we were all chanting Lamar, Lamar, you know what I mean? For MVP. So, um, I don't think it'll happen this season. I think that he, I think that it's one of those things where he knows that last season he didn't perform that well towards the back half of the season, not as well as he could have. And so I'm thinking that this season he really, he really, does you know strive to like push himself and make sure that he finishes the marathon instead of acting like it's a sprint so i think that he will take that i think he will take that step forward this year and let's keep in mind too he's got he's got the arsenal to do it you know dk metcalf is really coming alive this year um i i i was always really high on him and tyler lockett we know that we know the speedster that he is i mean he's He's as good as Tyreek Hill. And we, you know, we... You're talking about Tyler Lockett? Yes. Or DK Metcalf? I was talking about Ty, uh, DK Metcalf and then I switched to Tyler Lockett. Okay, because... Okay, I, I didn't think he was as fast as Tyreek Hill, but proceed. Well, he's just as deadly as a deep threat as Tyreek Hill is what I was trying to allude to. But... um we also have seen that Tyler Lockett can make really impressive catches when it counts. And we know that Russell Wilson can throw that ball exactly where Tyler Lockett needs that ball to be. So this is a team, this, this is a passing team with a lot of firepower, a lot of 
uh, drive and will to succeed. And they've got, they've got the thrower to do it in Russell Wilson. So I know you talked about his interceptions, George, but did you see some of those, did you see some of those deep touchdown passes to Tyreek? I mean, Patrick Peterson was guarding and let me tell you something, dude, Patrick Peterson can't play better defense on, on those passes. Tyreek's not on this team. You, you said he threw to Tyreek. I'm sorry, Tyler Lockett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just wanted to clear that up. because uh, No, yeah, I, d- I did see those, and, you know, he's great. Like I said, I, I just don't want him to basically, like I said, pull a Daniel Jones and trip and fall, and then someone else ends up taking it from him. Um, and the reason I was wanted clarifi- clarification on the whole Tyler Lockett speed was because DK Metcalf in that game, when he uh, caught up to that, uh, when Tyler or when DK Metcalf started playing defense and ran the length of the football field to tackle that guy, he ran the same top speed that Tyreek Hill ran in a game. So that that's why I was uh, questioning if you who you were talking about, just because DK ran that ty- uh, Tyreek Hill type of speed in that game to catch up to him. I know. And I've, I've been telling you what he's capable of, man. You know that. But to talk about Joe's point, because uh, Joe mentioned a pretty interesting curveball, and I like it. And let me tell you something right now. I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of the NFL MVP award, because when I think about the NFL MVP award, it really ends up being who is the better quarterback, quarterback by the end of the season. And I would, I would love and would be a strong advocate to the idea if this was a if this if this idea ended up being proposed, I would be a strong advocate for having a separate award specifically for quarterbacks, and then having the you know and having the MVP award go to every other position in the league because we've seen some very impressive performances, and they've gone almost unnoticed because of the fact that the quarterback position is so heavily so heavily um, put on a pedestal. And I think that, you know, J- Joe talked about Derrick Henry's, even Derrick Henry's performance last year, you know, was very impressive. And I thought, I thought that Derrick Henry's performance alone last year could have easily gotten him an MVP. But, you know, Lamar had a great season. I'm not taking away from him. Uh, he deserved MVP. I'm just saying that even D- even Derrick Henry's performance last year could have earned him an MVP. And we we've seen some impressive performances from defensive ends who have you know gotten close to reaching the single sack season record. Uh, JJ Watt accomplished this. I can't remember how many years ago, but I remember he he was a few sacks away from reaching that record, and that alone should have deserved him the should have earned him the MVP and it didn't. Um, I've even seen, I've even seen Justin Tucker actually go. I've even seen Justin Tucker go a perfect record for his field goals all season. And we don't take it into consideration because he's a kicker. And let me tell you something that alone is extremely impressive to me. The fact that he went perfect all season never missing a single kick when they, when they counted on him. So 
very impressive performances from major role players in their positions. And they all go unnoticed because of the fact that the MVP award is pretty much a quarterback's award. Yeah. So uh, I I got another interesting one that I I heard and I want to know your guys' quick thoughts on it. So, So I heard someone say, if the Browns become eight and two, like that, this could be a possible like little topic that gets brought up. Highly unlikely to happen, but if the Browns were to go eight and two, because right now they're five and two, right? That Miles Garrett could get consideration for the MVP race because he's elite at his position. He he's number one in a lot of the categories that he is, such as you know sacks, forced fumbles. He leads that. Um, hits on the QB, all that defensive stuff that he brings to the table. He leads a lot of those categories. So just your guys' quick thoughts on, you know, if we're not going quarterback, if the Browns end up having a shocking good season, do you guys think Miles Garrett should even be in the conversation? Um, I absolutely disagree. Even if they do miraculously come out with eight wins, that there's way better players than him and at that position or even just players overall on the field deserve a bet, have a better shot at the MVP race. I'm not knocking his skill. Yes, he is a very good player, but I think there's a, there's better people all around the field. Yeah. And um, I, I got the numbers to tell you. So, Miles Garrett, it's not that, like Joe was just saying, it's not that he's not been impressive. It's just that even if they were to go eight and two, will he be in the conversation? Maybe. He's not going to win it. He won't. Because let's look at, let's look at JJ, let's look at JJ Watt. All right. In 2012, he gets 20 and a half sacks in that season. Okay. That did not earn him the MVP. Then in 2014, he gets 20 and a half sacks and he goes and gets an interception and he actually plays offense that season and records 80 yards reception and a touchdown. And that did not earn him an MVP. We're talking about a player that almost got the sack record again and contributed on offense. And he did not win the MVP. So if he can't win the MVP, I don't see how Miles Garrett is going to win it at all. All right, now it's time for our Thursday night matchup. We're going to go Carolina Panthers versus Atlanta Falcons. Joe, who do you got and why? I'm done with the Falcons. Uh, The Panthers are going to win this one. Uh, All right. Um, What can you give us, like, one reason why you think so? Uh, They had a chance to win that Lions game, but their defense gave it up. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm I'm done with the Falcons. They could they could lose every game for all I care. I don't care anymore about them. 
Eric, why are you laughing? <laughs> why are we on the same level, Joe? Like, I just, ever since that Super Bowl, bro, I just don't care no more. Like, they are just <laughs> so disappointing. I will get anyone over the Falcons at this point. All that firepower for what? Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We will post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one. Highly contested. 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 Highly cont